0: Our second reading today is from Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it had been told to them. Today, we're going to light the second Advent candle. And on the second Sunday, we light two purple candles as we remember the prophecies given by Isaiah, Micah, and Malachi of the coming Messiah. As we light this candle, we remind ourselves of the peace that is prophesied to come through our Savior. And as Lori lights our candle, we'll begin singing the second verse of O Come O Come, Emmanuel.
1: Lord for his greatness, his goodness to us. We also come to pray for Red and the children as they are dealing with the loss of Linda. We want to continue to pray for Ashley Koschik and her chemotherapy treatment as she's going through. Pig uh, Ridgeway is having oral surgery tomorrow in Grand Rapids, so we want to pray for her. And then uh, we want to pray for family and friends during this time of year that they would come to know Christ. So let's go into a time of prayer. Holy Father, we thank you for your grace, your mercy, your gift of your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you that that is the hope, the promise that we all need. Lord, we come to you and pray for those, especially Red and the children as they are grieving the loss of Linda. Comfort them and bring them hope and peace during this time. We continue to pray for Ashley Koscik as she is on another round of chemotherapy. We would pray that you would help her body to receive that chemotherapy and bring healing from the cancer, Lord. We pray for Peggy as she has oral surgery tomorrow. We pray that it would go well and that she would have no complications. And Lord, we do pray for family and friends. We pray for their salvation at this time, that they would come to know Christ as the great hope and promise in their own lives. So, Lord, we thank you. And now, as we look at your word in a special way, we pray a blessing upon Marco as he shares Christmas through the eyes of a shepherd. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. As you know, we're going through a special time uh, of the year where we're looking at Christmas through the eyes of different individuals during the Christmas story. And this morning... Marco is going to give us a taste of what it meant to be a shepherd. So here, without further ado, it's Marco, the shepherd.
2: Do you know what it's like to be a shepherd? I doubt you do. Endless days and nights spent dealing with stinky sheep and equally smelly shepherds. Those endless, beautiful pastures really start to lose their charm after a while. Seems like you're constantly running into predators, lions, bears, snakes, robbers. They're all over the place. And after a while, you just start to see them behind every bush, under every rock. Fun. That is not a word I'd use to describe being a shepherd. No, no, no. The stuff of nursing a young lamb is of children's books and nursery rhymes. Now, you might think I'm a little bit jaded, but can you blame me? I mean, I'm a little bit jaded. Can you blame me? I mean, you don't see shepherd on society's list of jobs most desired, nor do you see many fathers bringing out their daughters to be married off to the nearest shepherd. And actually, on that topic, you don't see many shepherd-only dating services. You're lucky if us shepherds can get a second glance from a girl, and that intern shepherd, Marco, you guys have run around here, is like if he can get a first glance from a girl. I don't see anyone doing anything about that. Sure, David may have been a shepherd, but his own father, Jesse, nearly forgot about him when Samuel came looking for the next king of Israel. Also, I guess, I guess God calls himself a shepherd, but I can't imagine why. Being a shepherd's pretty terrible, if you ask me. That isn't until last night. Last night started out pretty normal. I was hanging with my brothers, Bill Dad, he's younger than me, and Reuben, he's older. And of course, Bill Dad, he just can't shut his trap. He just keeps talking and talking. just like, Bill Dad, be quiet. And then Reuben pipes in, and he says the same joke. He always tells, just the same joke. And I'm thinking, is this what it's going to be when I'm older? All I have for my friends are my two brothers, who annoy me to no end, and these sheep. So anyways, me and my brothers, we go, we find a nice hill, we lay down, we catch some sleep, we're looking at the sky, When all of a sudden, uh, a man appears. He's like a crazy, clean-looking man, uh, exclaiming, Fear not, I bring good news of great joy to all people, for unto you a Savior has been born in the city of David, who is Christ the Lord. Uh, A sign I give to you, he'll be wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Now at this point, I'm like, this sounds familiar. This sounds like something I know. Something that I heard in my childhood. I can't really um, put my finger on it. You know, I haven't really, you know, been. I haven't learned a lot in my time. And I'm also, you know, I'm a little bit mature to be believing in a lot of this kind of stuff. And also, this guy is just crazy clean, like really clean, suspiciously clean. And so, thinking maybe I should just discard this information. Until, all of a sudden, a choir appears of what I can only assume is as angels. He was an angel, it makes sense now. And they're all singing, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, good will to whom God has his favor on. And at this point, something awakens in me, my heart just explodes. This passion, this hope, it has all been rekindled. And I just lose all um, pride within myself. All that, like, I'm mature and stuff. Like, forget it. It was like, I need to, I need to go where the Savior's being born. Like, Bill, Dad, I gotta go. I gotta go, Bill, Dad. And I was like, I just started going. I just started running like I've never run before. And I didn't even gird up my loins. Didn't even gird up my loins. And then I biffed it. I did fall because I did not gird up my loins. So I did. I I got back up and I, you know, girded up the loins. And then I ran like I'd never run before with a passion I had never felt before. For what is a moment of undignified compared to that of pursuing a hope that could change the world. Thank you.
1: Well, thank you, Marco. Uh, you know, I, I didn't know you were going to bring in that uh, intern Marco <laughs> into the issue here. So yeah. so girls, you can take a second look. So. Well, we're going to look at the shepherds a little bit here and give a review of the shepherds. In some ways, uh, shepherds are some of the most beloved characters in Christmas. But what were these shepherds really like in biblical times? First, being a shepherd was one of the oldest professions in the world. Adam himself was charged with having dominion over the animal kingdom in Genesis. In fact, In Genesis 4-2, the first shepherd is mentioned, Abel. He was the keeper of sheep, it says in Genesis. Throughout biblical history, some of the most significant men, Jacob and his sons, Moses and David, were shepherds. Shepherding is a prominent theme throughout the scriptures, isn't it? In the Old Testament, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. And Jesus himself, as we saw a couple weeks back, referred to himself as the good shepherd in John 10. He said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. I know my own, and my own know me. I lay down my life for the sheep. So in many ways, we could say, well, being a shepherd is a noble occupation. Couldn't we? But there is a downside to being a shepherd, too. Shepherds were of the lower class of society. Shepherds spent a large amount of time away from their family and society and spent a lot of time with sheep, animals. Shepherds had a hard time maintaining their religious purity with the fair sake of law. They could not keep the Sabbath, they were away from the temple. During the birth of Jesus, they really had no influence whatsoever to really speak of. Which brings us to a very interesting part of the story about the birth of Jesus. In many ways, they quite possibly would not have been the most obvious choice to announce the Messiah's arrival. So why shepherds? Why would God choose to make his most spectacular announcement to a group of the least able to spread it. What can we learn from this? There are probably several points that one could make. I'm going to just make three this morning. And you can come up with more. Maybe you can talk around lunch and say, you know, the shepherds, God used this way. But first of all, the first point I want to make is that God is able to use anyone. And God is able to use any one of us. The second point is God's first words to people, it seems, often are, fear not, do not be afraid. And then the third point is we need to care more about what God thinks than what the world thinks about us. So let's look at that first point. God is capable of using any one of us. It should not surprise us that God can use any one of us. A quick and fast overview of the scriptures teaches us again and again that God uses the least and the obscure. The list of God using just about anything and anyone is incredibly long. And here's but a few examples. Moses was a stutterer. David was a forgotten individual from his earthly father but he was chosen by his heavenly father to be the king of israel and he was used to be in the lineage of jesus balaam's donkey god used a donkey jonah was a very reluctant prophet jesus chose fishermen and tax collectors jesus talked with prostitutes and heal lepers as an example of God's mercy and grace. Paul, the apostle, initially started off murdering Christians and trying to thwart the spread of the gospel. And yet God used Paul to spread the gospel to the Gentile world. Thus God using shepherds should not really surprise us, should it? And God using us should not surprise us. In fact, it is just like God to use us. Why? Because God loves to redeem broken and so-called incapable people to show that he is God and that he is powerful and that he deserves the glory. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 says, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God And not to us. The Apostle Paul, in reference to himself, in his own frailty, said this So, to keep me from being conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given to me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it would leave me, but he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weaknesses. Therefore, I will boast all all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. God's capability of using us is so great that really we are without excuse. We cannot really come up with an excuse to say, God, not me. Because God has used murderers. God has used adulterers. You see, there's no sin that keeps us from being used by God. This is the amazing message that we need to learn. Our excuses simply are not good enough for God. I want to say something right now to yourself. I want you to say this to yourself. God can use me. Say that to yourself. Now I want you to turn to another person and say, God can use you. Isn't that amazing? That is a truth that we need to embrace. Most of the time, we're like Moses saying, I can't speak. I can't be used by God. God can use us. He used shepherds. Isn't it time for us to start believing that truth? The second point is God's first words to people are often fear not, which, if you really look at it, is actually an invitation from God, an invitation to trust him. The Bible records this fear not or do not be afraid or something close to that 365 times. I guess it's one for each day of the year. It's common. It's a greeting throughout the Christmas story. Last week we heard from Zechariah in Luke 1.13. Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call him John. From today's passage in Luke 2.10 we heard, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. In 2 weeks for Joseph we'll read Matthew 120. Joseph son of David, do not fear. To t- do not fear, but take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And then for Mary we'll read in Luke 130. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor in God. You know, I share this because I think fear a lot of times is what drives our life. It drives our life when really faith needs to drive our lives. God greets us with the words fear not and do not be afraid, but it's an invitation for us to come to him. In 2 Timothy 1:7, he makes this clear when he says, "For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. We must explore and examine our lives by asking the simple question, is my life driven by fear or is my life driven by faith? When one considers all the crazy stuff that is happening in this world, there's a question that we have to examine ourselves, and it's very appropriate for us to do so. And let's be honest, and it's very clear. In North America, our potential fears are nothing compared to those throughout the world that are facing far greater fears. Some of those fears, and I'm not minimizing the fears we face, but think about the fears that other people face throughout the world. Will I eat today? Will I have enough food to give to my children? Will a terrorist come into my house, persecute and kill me? Our fears, in many ways, are a lot, not, they're not insignificant, but they're driven more by maybe things that really should not dominate our lives. That's why I'm so motivated when you hear the stories of men and women who have been persecuted and martyred because their faith leads them past their fears as it did Zechariah, shepherds, Joseph and Mary. Can our faith do the same today? The third and final point is we need to care more about what God thinks than what the world thinks. Let's be honest, we all struggle to some degree with how others think about us. That is why we do some of the crazy things that we do. For many of us who follow Jesus, we are deathly deathly afraid of what other Christians might think of us. So what do we do as Christians? We pretend, we wear masks, and we put our best foot forward at church and at other Christian circles But live in fear of the thought, if people really knew my deepest and darkest secrets, would they even like me? But the thing is, is this God knows our deepest and darkest fears, doesn't He? And what does He do? He loves us. Romans 5 8 summarizes His thoughts for us pretty well. But God shows His love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It has been said by so many pastors over the years that I don't think anyone remembers who said it first at this point. God loves us so much that there is nothing we can do to make him love us more or make him love us less. You see, we don't have to pretend because God thinks great thoughts about us. As his followers, knowing that he loves us, this should bring us great security. And it also should give us the motivation, the desire not to worry so much about what the world thinks about us. Especially when it comes to living out our faith. This week, if you've been listening at all to Christian radio, and they should, right? Kimberly Dawn? You've probably heard that uh, Chip and Joanna Gaines... This couple that has a TV show called Fixer Upper, they've been under attack. And they've been under attack not really so much for something that they do, but something that they believe. They go to a church where the pastor dares to preach what is biblical marriage. And what is biblical marriage? Well, Matthew 19, 5, 6, and this is what Jesus says marriage is. And he said, therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one. But therefore, God has joined together. Let no man separate. And I share that example not to get so much into the concept of what is biblical marriage, but to show that there is a temptation in the world today to compromise And not necessarily do what God thinks, but what the world thinks. When the shepherds left in a haste, as we saw, you know, Marco act out and he forgot to gird his loins. (laughs) He left in a haste, it says in the scripture. In other words, he didn't care what his fellow shepherds thought. And you need to remember that shepherds were already low on the on the in society's eyes for him to leave his sheep behind was like saying i'm not even going to do my job i'm going to go and check this out for myself he didn't care what the world thought he wanted to pursue christ and really that's what we are called to do during this time you know, we're told we can't say Merry Christmas anymore. We have to say Happy Holidays. Is that a test for us? Is it a challenge for us to care more about what God thinks than what the world thinks? No, I'm not saying we need to be crude and rude about it. But we have to remember that Christmas is about Christ. And what God thinks is more important than what the world thinks, isn't it? So the three points that I have for you this morning, and I want you to consider, is God is capable of using any one of us. That means me. God's first words to people are often, fear not or do not be afraid. But that is an invitation to trust God. And some of us are facing fears, aren't we? God is saying, trust me. And number three, we need to care more about what God thinks than what the world thinks. Imagine what God can do with us if we meet him as the shepherds did. Let us pray. Holy Father, we thank you and praise you that uh, our eyes have been maybe more opened to what it means to be a follower of you because of the shepherds And Lord, help us to be these things and many more, to be people that are available to you, to be used by you. Help us when we hear the words or experience the fears of this world to realize it's an invitation to trust you. And Lord, help us to care more about what you think than what the world thinks. Help us to bring you glory and honor. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.